0: The topic of today is one for both CTOs and CEOs. Obviously, all three of us have got extensive experience in being the person that our co-founders or our C-suite looks at to build and deliver software or implement the, the hopes and dreams or run towards milestones. And so I wanted to get us together to talk a little bit about when, do companies need full-time CTOs? When do they need fractional CTOs? I have opinions about if they need CTOs at all. Some school of thought is you always need a CTO, they just look different. And so I thought that the three of us could have a little conversation about what we've seen, what our experiences have shown us. What has it looked like for you to work in a really, when is it too late, I would say? Or when have you walked into a situation where complacency has just produced a really slow delivery cycle or bad quality? From 7 CTOs, my name is Etienne de Bruin, and you're in the CTO studio. Seven CTOs is a global collective of CTOs helping each other become world class leaders through our peer groups that meet once a month, as well as one on one coaching and mentorship. We carefully assemble our forums with seven like minded people who are at similar and adjacent stages with their companies. They help each other solve challenges unique to technical leadership roles. Each forum gets assigned an executive coach who leads conversations of emotional support and growth, as well as holds space for difficult conversations we need to have sometimes. Check out 7ctos.com and apply today. Mention CTO Studio and get a free strategy session with yours truly. And I truly look forward to hearing from you. Okay. So let's. Jump into CEOs, co-founder, whatever comes to you. They've built a product. They've built it on the backs of a dev shop. They are gaining traction. They feel pretty good about the growth rates. But now they're coming to you and they're saying, man, I'm hearing all this talk about a CTO. I'm hearing CTO this, CTO that. What does a CTO do? Should I have a CTO what do you tell them? What are the questions that you ask or what comes to mind for you as I'm saying these things? What are some of the first instincts that you have, both of you being seasoned CTOs? I think
1: my first reaction there is the situation you're describing, you've already solved a lot of the initial risks or at least started to address many of the initial risks in any startup. So right off the bat, You've answered some key questions, which which are, am I building something people want? Are people willing to pay for it? And how will people find me? And I think those, before you get into questions about technology and, and how things will be done, you need to answer those questions. So it sounds like in your, your scenario, somebody has already answered those questions. Uh, then getting into the CTO, I look at it as a, a de-risker. So looking at your own background and your own expertise, what, what are your blind spots? Is the tech, how big a, a blind spot is technology? And looking forward in the business, how much are you going to rely on technology to drive enterprise value? And if the, that scale, either we're looking to drive a lot of value, enterprise value out of technology, and technology is a pretty big blind spot for me, then it's probably time to talk to a CTO. Or bring on
2: the CTO? Yeah, so two things come to my mind usually. It's there's a technology leader as in a technology. You need to bring in technology leadership into your organization mm-hmm. or is it organizational leadership? And so there's, there's different ways of approaching it. Look, like my technology house is on fire and I need someone to either A, put it out or put it on a better path of success. And the question that you become is that you need to ask that is that, is this a CTO that needs to come and do this? Or is it some other type of technology that needs to come and solve this particular problem? When it's an organizational challenge, so that you're then going into the growth and the scaling parts of your business, which is your organization. And so I think there's a great deal of confusion out there as to where am I on the organizational growth scale? And I think there's a tremendous amount of confusion as to when is the right time to bring on a CTO as opposed to a technology leader. Mm. Um, and I think that perhaps more CEOs need to be challenged on why they feel they need to have a technical leader on board, and is it someone who's just going to go put out technology fires and, and deal with those devs that don't seem to understand what the heck I'm asking them to do, or they're building stuff that I don't understand? It. The CEO, regardless of whether technology is a spot to them or not, if they are building a company, they need to be able to understand why why this person coming on board, and by the way, this person being. At his level or her level, they need to ask the question as to this person is going to take care of this. So what does that free me up to do? Um, and what is that going to make? How is that going to make the org successful because I brought this person on board. And so I think most CEOs do not know how to have that conversation and discussion. Most of the time it's putting out fires. Yeah. And if you, and if someone is calling to you about putting out a fire, then you have multiple entry points. Like for me, it's a conversation about why a fractional rule would sound better or even advisory-wise, why something would be better. I think the, the biggest issues I've come across is when they have a technical co-founder and there's a lot of issues and they want you to come alongside and ease yourself into the process and take over or keep this madman away from my, from the code, how do we lock it down? There's so many different things that come about. So, but, but honestly, at the end of the day, for me, I see it all as organizational issues and less about a technical issue or a technology issue or even a business issue for that matter. It's just that most of the time it's an organizational issue. And I don't know, most leaders don't seem to really understand. It is a process that your organization needs to go through. And guess what? You're the one who has to figure that out. And there's not this magical person that's going to come in and just put your org on path to success. They may put the tech org on the
0: pads, success doesn't mean that you're terror. I'm hearing this delicious distinction from both of you around de-risking technical issues and or hedging my organizational growth. And one feels a lot like a here and now delivery challenge that people have conflated. Maybe the role of CTO to solve when really. You could solve it with a dev shop, a fractional engagement, a getting that delivery back on track. And or you could say, hey, my, like you said, Jim, my organization has certain technical complexities, or I have a potential cliff ahead of me in terms of my hiring for those complexities. So I need a longer-term organizational setup, like you said, Nishant, that needs to be the machine that helps grow my technical organization versus the, I have a couple glitches in my technical delivery, I may not need a CTO for that. Yeah. And that's where the fractional side comes in play because the fractional,
2: when you're bringing on a fractional CTO, you're not trying to, my favorite part is that most CEOs thinking that they're going to get a CTO, a full-time CTO for a fractional cost hang on, no, that's not what's happening right now. But really it's about, you You scope, What is it? What, is, what are some of the major heart broken issues that you're facing right now? And let me either fight fear or we fix it and put it on the path to healing or let me increase velocity on something. Like you've got a delivery that you've got to get to in order to get to your series A round or whatever. Like you have something, right? you got, uh, at the end, you mentioned a cliff and I, I find it very awesome that it's always a cliff. Someone's dying at the end of this. But the funny thing about it is that I think, again, it's a fractional person can come on and really understand, hone in on that particular problem and then get to delivery. And I think that's a great way for fractional leadership to be able to come in. And they know how to identify, they know how to understand what needs to be, no, we're not doing that, we are doing this. And we're ruthlessly prioritizing ourselves in this direction and forcing that conversation to happen. But to me, the the role of the CTO, if you will, is, you know, far more important, uh, and much more longstanding than just coming in delivering velocity or the the step before you Mm. take the cliff leap. That's, that's my, that's my
0: point. I know you, I know that you are, have been for many years in that fractional war room and and so I, I get what you're saying. Jim, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree
1: completely. I think a lot of the value that a CTO adds to your organization Indeed. is not paid back in a short period of time. So a fractional CTOs will often come in and they will get your organization on track. But the work that they're doing, uh, the work that any CTO is doing is often paid back two, three, five, ten 10 years down the line. And it, it is nice for the long term to have somebody where your interests are aligned, where that person has, as they're going through these efforts, they have their eye on where the company is going to be in five years, where it's going to be in 10 years, and is committed to living with the decisions that and the, the processes and procedures that the CTO is putting in place.
0: I, I really love the... The juxtaposition there, Nishant, that you introduced about the, it's less of a technical hire. And again, I'm conflating. I'm, oh, we need to scale our architecture. We need a CTO. You don't necessarily need a CTO or the, hey, it's an organizational or it's a business hire. Then that's the CTO is really comfortable in that. And I've often seen when I introduce candidates to each other, the mismatch. Because again, we're right now talking about the early stage hiring of a CTO. The founder is expecting, oh, the programming language, the the customer support tickets, the product development roadmap. The founder is expecting those types of questions. When like you pointed out earlier, Jim, the CTO candidate is way more interested in how is the solving business problems? What is the projected growth? Where are we going in terms of traction? And I find oftentimes that when I'm introducing these people, clearly there's a mismatch in the types of questions the founder or the CEO is expecting versus the stuff that the CTO candidate is super duper interested in.
2: Yeah, I think that's huge because many times I'm in a situation where it doesn't feel like you need, you you just need a solid technical person to come in because one of the things that a lot of CEOs out there is how much time do you spend on coding? And I'm saying right there, I know right off the bat that you are not, you're not looking for a CTO. And, and so it becomes very difficult then to align with that vision of what they think that a CTO is supposed to do. And then the question of what will, what does a CTO deliver? What is it? As Jim said, I, I love what you said, Jim earlier about the, the long, you which know, is, those decisions, you're not going to see the turnaround. Like scaling architecture, let's be honest with ourselves. We scale an architecture, you're not going to see the, the, you might optimize something and you might see an increase in in output. But again, long term and creating business value is not on day one. And, but, and then there's, but there's also decisions that need to be made along the way to scale that architecture and get to that point. Uh, That's what I am saying. I think uh, at the end, you know, that the dispatch that you're identifying in the marketplace when you're trying to bring people together, I, I face that so many times because Either A, because when I ask business questions, I always get this puzzled look on CEO's faces. When most of my discovery sessions are really about trying to understand the boundaries of the vision of whatever it is that they're trying to solve. And I tell them, I said, so one of the things I keep saying is that, look, you're, you don't seem to have a clear product vision. And without product vision, it's hard to be in a way dogmatic about your technical choice. And you dogma in our culture tends to be something that you get, you know, like not not for us, we're not, but hang on. How do you make decisions of that? Because if I'm able to go anywhere with my technical decisions, I'm going to put that organization in jeopardy very soon. Just to to flip it around to, I've tried to switch the conversation about technical debt, not being technical debt, but organizational debt. Because I think when you put it in technical debt terms, it seems like it's one department's issue. And no, it becomes the entire organization's issue because there's a downstream effect. There's an upstream effect. There's a whole, we're not able to implement faster. We're not able to it becomes an organizational issue and it's driving your business value down. And, and by the way, worse when an investor comes in and does an audit on your stuff and they find out that you have you missed out on this great opportunity because you haven't dealt with this tech debt. So I think shifting that I, I'll keep coming back to this organizational proposition of, of a CTO. And really, really if CEO, CEOs, all these all these C-suite level executives would understand that. The way they're hiring themselves onto the business is also how they should be looking on how to bring on a tech leader onto their business. The CTO is not some fringe operator that comes in and is doing magical key, key turning.
0: Yeah, and I think the CTO is is genuinely interested in the growth of the business. And whenever we are hiring CTOs or bringing a CTO into the C suite, a technical voice of technology into the C suite. We need to understand that person isn't there to grow technology. They're there to grow the business. And I think that's the conversation that people are often not ready for. Yeah, and so, I think
1: the the T there in the CTO is how do we use technology to create leverage
0: to grow the business? That absolutely. yeah. And that's why and, and that's why I'm oftentimes I'm totally fine with a non-technical person being in the role of cto if they are if they understand technology should be able to do these things i understand business therefore i would like to see technology enable these aspects inside of our business that will grow and scale our business and so I want to move a little bit towards the technical side of things. So obviously all three of us are where we are today because we love technology and we were tinkering with the code and we were hacking the consoles and we were building programs or coding programs that when run could potentially generate revenues. So there is is that extreme comfort with technology that makes us, if we can plus the business speak in there makes us incredibly valuable inside of the C-suite. What is a good CTO candidate or what is what do you like to see in fellow CTOs that that whether you have those skills or whether you admire those skills in other CTOs, what do you like to see in a CTO?
1: I think the best way to put this is something that that I have been told that my fellow senior leadership team members have said that they appreciate about working with me is the ability to technology is complex. It's full of buzzwords. Most people in in the room as you're sitting in a boardroom or you're sitting in an executive meeting aren't going to be familiar with them. And the ability to take those challenges and complex problems and break them down and make them relatable so that the business as a whole can see what risks uh, the company is facing or what opportunities are are out there. Being able to do that translation, but also to decompose complex problems into simple, digestible, understandable decisions, I think it is key.
2: Yeah. Just to riff on that too, one of the things that I love hearing is when people say, I'm really glad you're here because I can I understand what the challenge is. I understand what the issue is. I understand what level of complexity we're dealing with. And that's, I feel like it's the, the people who are able to do that really well. Because you take technology is complex. There's just no way around it. Just explaining to someone what a blockchain is. I- I've been able to try and give the the five minute explanation of that. But even but there are even aspects of mine when I go to I don't know why we do this but that. But it's a complex thing. But at the end of the day, I think we're not here to make enjoy enjoyable tech. So for instance, If I'm out there playing on my Arduino or whatever, or back in the day when we used to go Radio Shack and build stuff, there was no necessarily, we were building it to create a business out of it. So every move that we make could absolutely be an entire waste of time and totally worth it because we're either learning or we've learned something that doesn't work. It's best tech that we do for enjoyment. I I think that's what I love about my back is how I got to it. And I'm amazed at how many CTOs have that same sort of story. But I think what the common link that why they're CTOs and not like a Google tech fellow is the fact that they enjoy yeah. making a business out of, not of some technology mm-hmm. thing. It's a technology hack. We figured it out. And whether it's a workflow, whether it's a process, whether it's whatever, we've shortened the distance between the customer and the problem. And because and we're using technology to solve that problem. And, and guess what? We made money. We made X dollars and we sold for this. And, you know, I think that excitement really, when I see that in other CTOs, it's okay, you're my people. You get my excitement. Yeah. Yes, I would love to work in, in amazing tech, but to me, I don't know, there's a validation in, in a way that I can convert that into some kind of a monetary thing. So I don't know. For me, those fellow CTOs who speak that language, they just, they, I, I get all kinds of bumps, So
0: Yeah. Ryan Rosneck has this. Great line that I use, which which I'm sure he heard somewhere, but the way he said it was, to the tech people, you're the business guy, and to the business people, you're the tech guy. (laughs) And and, yeah, so there's that vernacular, there's the language, there's the nostalgia, there's the rooted in understanding. I, I was, speaking of the blockchain, I was so fascinated the other day when I had a conversation about resourcing or resource allocation, memory allocation packing the bits into the words and the bytes. Back in the day, sorry about that, but we were very mindful of resources, right? Memory was scarce and you had to be be prudent with how you use memory. Then, of course, we exploded onto this virtualization scene where no one cares about memory. But now we're back in the blockchain world where packing the bits into the blockchain has now become important again. And now guess what? and rust and and all these languages are now so popular because those were the people who cared a lot about how they allocated memory and just being a cto with that sort of background and the understanding like you guys both mentioned the, the complexity analysis or understanding what is complex and what isn't understanding how logic works being rooted in those first principles, that would be the only voice in the C-suite who understands those things. So the C-suite would benefit from somebody who not only understands that world, loves that world, plays in that world, hacks in that world, but can also do the business speak to understand how that C-suite benefits from that. Yeah, I
2: think one bad reputation that some CTOs have developed is they are they're the naysayer in that group. CEO comes up with an idea, and CTOs are the first one to say no, that can't work, or that can't work with their current process or current architecture. And I think I go back to your video about uh, Etienne about the flying with the CEO, and I've used that so many times because I feel like. Many times we CTOs feel like we're in the room because we're here to cure the ailments of the C-suite, especially the CEO. We need to reduce the madness. And I'm sitting here going, if your CEO is not mad, then you would, none of you would be there. There is an element of embracing the the madness that, that causes people to be entrepreneurs. And so it's, I don't feel like it's our job to go and cure the CEO of that. I think it's our job to go and figure out a way, okay, how do we derive a path here. And because we're familiar with complexity and you wouldn't think that in our world, because we're talking about logic and reason and this happens and then this happens and this happens, you would not think that it's a very complex thing, but it is. And and we should be able to carve a path of what the CEOs are trying to tell because they're trying to push something. They're trying to push an idea out there. And our job is to be able to say, what is a, a, a pathway to to figure this out? My, my favorite we're the MVP of that pathway. What is the minimum thing that I can do to make this idea come to fruition. And here's my favorite part. Let's go test it. Let's go build some evidence and bring it back. Are one of the things that really irritates me about technical leaders out there who say statements such as, we don't know, or my favorite now, we don't know what we don't know. And for me, I understand that as a phraseology, but for me, it's at the very least, you should be able to hypothesize. Maybe you don't have the data. Maybe you do not have the evidence to back up something, but At the stage that you're in, you should be able to come up with some statement that says, I hypothesize that X.
0: That, and that, and that, uh, Nishant, I love what you said. And it brings me to this having inherited such a delicious relationship that has earned the trust, where when you do say those things, it is inherently trusted. Sure, it doesn't go unchallenged. But Jim, Jim, talk a little bit about your the relationship that you were able to forge with someone where you are actually on your second or third venture now and the trust that has given you in your role as CTO.
1: Yeah, my myself and my co-founder have been working together about 15 years across, across three different companies. And it's interesting talking about the different roles and can we open this with different levels of technology leadership. And I've played them all across three companies. I was a more on the architecture side, an engineer when I first started working my my co-founder. And then I was a fractional and and an advisor and then uh, a co-founder then for this company. And my co-founder is also very technical. He's uh, computer science and IT. And so there was certainly respect for the technical acumen. But I think it is that translation of being able to find opportunities to use technology, to create enterprise value, to propel the business forward, and to overcome the challenges the business is facing that has created that that trust, that that track record. And I'm not the most in-your-face personality. I tend to be the last one to speak in a room. And I certainly have had times where we've disagreed on things. But over the years I, my co-founder and Andrew would tell you that when I am pounding the desk that he sits up and pays attention because at that point I'm rarely wrong it's in my personality type to not get to that point unless I'm pretty pretty darn sure and over over the years building that rapport
0: has created that that level of trust
1: level of trust
0: Yeah it's I love that the if I think of the and I want to I want to get to When we talk to CEOs, I don't care if you're seed stage, series, ABC, it doesn't matter, but I'd love for us to break down the list of what do we want CEOs out there to know about what CTOs look like and how they operate. I think there's a there's sort of an eighty percent rule out there that that most of them are a certain way, if I can stereotype this. But the thing that I find interesting, especially as we if we go down this business mantra, is the CTO type. As we said, someone who loves technology, has built things with technology, is a builder, loves to tinker, loves to understand what innovations can be derived from technology, but has opened up their world to business objectives, and business growth. That means that they come into the C-suite understanding in some regards what the CEO needs to accomplish. Culture and revenues. Looking at the CFO, understanding what the metrics need to be for healthy cash flow and good SaaS metrics. A lot of us as CTOs Have SaaS metrics, i.e., the dollar sign, LTV, cost of acquisition. This is part of our world. So we look at our different, even CMOs, right? We look at the marketing, we look at where they're going. A lot of us have been in an operational role, COO. So in many ways, when we look at those concentric circles, a lot of us have expanded our worlds as CTO to understand what those other C suites need to accomplish. Now, what have they done to expand their worlds to understand what it is that we do? Now, if I point the finger at them, I'd say, dude, what are, you good, what are you doing to understand what blockchain means? Or when you say the words AI, or when you say cloud, or when you say sound effects with the UI, it took you, a, it took you two weeks last time to add those pixels. It should take you two weeks this time to add these other pixels. So if I point the finger, I'm like, what have you done, C-suite, to understand our world? If I don't point the finger and I don't play the victim, what am I doing as CTO to let people into understanding the complexities that we face and what technology, what makes technology hard? And so a lot of what I like to see in a CTO is someone who is willing to facilitate those conversations. I like to tell CTOs, You have to answer those dumb questions a thousand times and be happy and nod your head and smile. Yes, I will happily walk you through this again. Or if the room is quiet after my presentation to really facilitate what's going on with people, how do I get them to ask those difficult questions? But I find that the intersection of those concentric circles is where we, as CTOs really have to facilitate bringing people into our world to understand what it is that we do, because I don't think a lot of them fully understand what we do. I would say it doesn't just
1: stop internally either, especially if and it depends what what market you're you're selling into, but Oftentimes you're educating the the prospect, the customer in the, that same way. So being able to speak that language and not just not just bring your fellow C suite into the challenges the organization faced from a technology standpoint, but also bring your customers, your prospects around to why your technology, the way you're innovating is can help their organizations, is different or separate from your competitors, what advantages you had. I don't think it stops at the at the boardroom door
0: yet. Totally. And that brings up that question of trust, right? Is Can this person be trusted? Whenever I hear a prospect ask for the CTO, I always think, okay, they're looking for a reason to trust or not to trust. And so they want to bring in the technical lead to see if I place my livelihood into your service. Can I trust that the service is going to be around for X number of years, and how are they scaling? Yeah, and that goes especially. You're talking
1: about timing of having a CTL on board. That also depends on where the organization is in terms of fundraising, too, because that your investors need to have that same trust that the organization, from a technology standpoint, is in good hands. And as we said earlier, has. With someone who has some skin in the game, is committed to the long-term vision of the company, and that the technology challenges the company will face will not be a distraction to the CEO. So, yeah, that that trust—it's it's your the, your fellow C-suite, it's from your investors, it's from your customers. We're over in trust.
2: So, I think going back to your question regarding, we understand elements of marketing, we understand elements of finance and things like that, LTV, CAC. But I feel like, I think because. I hope I'm not, you know, burning CTOs here, but I think other groups have made it better, have done better in in tying value to those terms than us. Like we talk about velocity and story points and Mm. we have not done necessarily a good job of saying these metrics drive growth. These metrics drive. drive." So I I don't know if we've given enough incentive for someone to come into our world. And I think that's part of the world of Scrum and Agile and all that, all those issues. And I think that like I remember in one meeting I was at where the CEO was being told how many story points we delivered to production. I'm just like trying to look across the Zoom room and like, is the CEO really interested in this? And it's just being rattled off and every meeting, you know, so you're going, I don't get this. And so I point like asked the CEO, can you just tell me where did this come from? He's, I have no clue. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see something that says this particular feature deliver. Such a good point. So to me, the intersection point for the C-suite is the product and what we're delivering. And that's usually where we communicate, Hey, we are, we're setting our eyes on this part of the product. Remember CEO, you brought this up and you said, this is a big field for Q2 of of this year. We have got our sights set on this. We've got design thinking, design experience, trying to understand what's the best way forward. All these things that we're doing in in the process. And to me, delivering on those and how we deliver on those things. And then talking about tech complexity in the process will really help people really understand what those things are that that drive success it's not 10 sprints three sprints two sprints. that conversation to me is such an empty it's just empty to me and i think we need to do a better job of it does do the do, do, does marketing really care about this how many story points or what our estimates were or even how many bucks we delivered into production i just don't know if those are helpful in 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 getting that education across
0: so i i i want to hear what you have to say jim but what i'm hearing which is really stunning to me is have we as ctos done as good a job as the world has provided for us in the ceos revenues culture cmos user path i don't know what's it called ad spend slash Hmm. what are all those acronyms i forget those but how have we as CTOs done a good job at giving our C suites all our acronyms translatable to business value that they can understand?
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I agree completely, and it's it's over you know the last twenty years. It's to me the organization as a whole has gotten. Me- Incredibly knowledgeable about what it takes to deliver software relative to their background most people now are understand sprints and understand when you say I'm going to my morning stand up whether you're in marketing or in sales you know what that you know what that means yeah I, I don't know that that we could say the same thing back
0: yeah something that I want to know from the two of you when someone says we want to build out a feature that we believe is going to expand our revenues. What I am used to doing is to saying, okay, that will be the Epic that will have these different stories that will roll up into the Epic. Why am I not saying, well, my estimation is it's going to take between eight to 12 sprints. Okay. And our sprints are two weeks and our, yes, there's a buffer for issues and issues, but it can't be that hard to say, okay, I know how many developers are in the sprint. I know what we pay those developers. I know what the sprint's going to cost us. I know how many of those sprints. So, therefore, I know that this feature is going to cost us $800,000 if we just do between eight to 12 sprints. And therefore, the 800K in dev spend to deliver that epic has to tie into how are we recouping our cost? What are we padding onto those to prepare the rest of the organization for? customer service, sales and marketing collateral. Is that just par for the course? I don't hear those conversations. Is it just me or I'm hearing, oh, it's going to take this amount of time or yeah, I can see us potentially delivering in July. Why are we having those conversations? Why aren't we saying I need a million dollars? That's what. That's how we are delivering on this feature or this, this product enhancement.
2: We should have a cost- or acquisition type cost per feature build, we should be able to pull out a metric like that. I, I recently had to do this with I was trying to come up with a sort of a last mile strategy where I'm not, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to apply the dev research. So what I went and did was I built up what it costs for us to do it and what it would cost for this partner that we were we were planning on going with. And yeah, out of the I outlined all of those things, but we were able to clearly see why build versus buy it was better to go with this partner for right now, and we have our story to tell investors that hey, this is our last mile strategy. We're adopting it right now for this purpose, so that we can you know learn and and not learn with using our resources and spending more money on, on this particular area. Because again, investors want to know I'm going to give you ten dollars and you're going to go spend how much on it to do something, or hey, I spent two dollars to learn this much, and now when I'm ready to go do it on my own, I know what exactly I need to do, and so. We should be able to have those types of conversations where we have a full understanding of our cost per feature, cost per listing, and then as a result, revenue per feature. I, I want to see metrics like that. I want to. Because,
0: I want to. I want to see CTOs have their little. And and if anybody's listening to this, maybe we're just a bunch of doofus CTOs, but I don't think so because I, in all my years, I haven't been trained or haven't been. I am an entrepreneurial, business-minded CTO. And yet my default is not to quantify things in dollar spends in a way that helps my C-suite understand what it's going to cost them and what they're going to get for that. Is it, yes, there's budgets like, oh, we large scale budgets, especially if you're in that series A and B. And that's why we get to this thing of investors want to know, what are we going to spend? What is the engineering spend look like? And then what do we go to? We go to, well, I'm going to hire these five or 10 or eight people right, who are going to cost us roughly 300K each. And therefore I need yep. $2.4 million on engineering. Yep. No, I don't get Matt. that. Why is that the, why are, are you put of- it that way? What do you plan on
2: building and what do you need to build it? And what is the cost? What is the revenue? How do you think that it's going to be? Yeah, those are the kinds of things that are going to shift the conversation. Because a marketing person who comes in and says, why do you need $2 million for Facebook ad spend? They're going to get laughed out of the room because, sure, every marketing person wants a $2 million Facebook ad spend for a month. And so they're talking about, and then they get cost of acquisition. And,
0: yeah, but that's the, the thing But that's the thing about the ad spend, though, is it's a supremely one-to-one match on, hey, you spent that $2 million. These are the impressions. This is, is, the, a, this is see, the lineup.
2: You're bringing the rest of the C-suite into a conversation that the whole business, going back to original organizational uh, point, this is the conversations that the C-suite and the organization needs to be. At. We're going to spend $1. And for that $1, how much are we going to gain in revenue? That should be the conversation that every person, regardless of whatever their focus is, the conversation that they should be having. Yes, even from an engineering standpoint, we should be able to speak on those terms. The thing is, I don't think that we have come up with any anything solid. I think there's a lot of PTSD. It's a a phrase that I hear a lot with offering things like that because it commits us to those things. Because if I say that this product is going to generate $3 million in in revenue, somehow if we do $2.9 million, that somehow I've fallen terribly short. And yeah, but everybody makes... Forecasting. There's a forecasting model. There's a way to, or it's not a gut thing. It's based on real things. That's why the, the going back to the to hypothesize and being able to hypothesize and then be able to go understand what is the data? What is the evidence I need to collect in order to prove that hypothesis? or not I'll prove that hypothesis is wrong is, I think, very key to the future of,
1: of the role I think that's very true. I think we're, we as the a CTO, we're, we're not a cost center. And so it's not just us reporting our expenses and how we're going to achieve, deliver things into production. We're trying to create value that is ultimately often captured in other areas of the business. So we're trying to create more activity at the top of the sales funnel or we're trying to create a higher conversion rate or we're trying to create a bring down uh, a churn rate or increase up sales right ultimately, those are the things that create enterprise value and so those are the things th- those are the effects of the business we're trying to create with our million dollars and it's not unlike uh, marketing and 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 ad ad, ad sales for every uh, two million dollar google spend is outrageous unless you have clear line of sight that. Twenty million dollars revenue you're going to gain from it, and it's the same way with technology. A two million dollar technology budget is expensive unless you can create twenty million dollars of enterprise value. Is it?
0: I and and this is where I want to. This is where I want to get to, which is I want my CTO to be the person I can collaborate with on achieving my business objectives. In other words, they need to challenge me, question me, push me. On, and I call it rest. You got to wrestle in the C suite on is this what our business needs to accomplish in the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? But then be able to say, okay, if the net increase is going to be 15%, that's what these dollars, now we got to put our spreadsheet dollar hats on. That our love for numbers, our love for code should somehow translate in our love for for units of measure. That we can distill down and say, if you add an extra 50 cents per minute to this activity, then that gets us this close, much closer to our goals. That's the person that I want to have in the C-suite with me. And that's what I want for CTOs.
1: And I loved, you brought up the the case of Trying to use memory efficiently. And I love that as an okay. analogy because uh, you're resource constrained, but ultimately you have to create an outcome. Your, your function has to do something. It has to have some value. So these are inherently skills we are used to.
0: And, we've- and we would, like you said, we would do that all day. If you, all day. you remember that scene in Apollo or whatever, where they were like, you only have scotch tape, <laughs> you have two nails. You have three bags of popcorn. Get my men back. It's like, hey, those engineers went to town. We so would do that all day. We
1: can, and as you go in in your career and you end up in CTO, you're, it's still the same exercise. It's just you're, you are using the organization as your experiment, do the function.
2: The well, part of the challenge is going back to the memory, the memory conversation too. Is that the margins in our businesses are very high? It's ridiculous some of the margins that I see out there. I think that if we were thrust into trying to eke out a margin, I think we would also do better, but simply because we're dealing with $900 million in budgets, we don't feel the particular need to try and squeeze anything out of the margin. And I think that's made us in a way lazy in that regard. So therefore we talk about sprints and and so on. Yes, this feature is got a three-year roadmap to it. But I think in order to drive harder on building better tech companies, I think the more we can squeeze out of those margins, like with memory, we used to be pressured into writing the best optimal code because we we would have all sorts of issues if we did. Memory leakage was a fairly common thing that we would say. I don't. I, I honestly, I don't. I don't think I've heard it in the last ten years because people are just not even thinking in those terms.
0: And now we're back, guys. We're, we're back, back yeah. to smart well, on tracks that can only have x number of bytes on the blockchain. Yep. Now. Here's what I would say as we wrap up. It's it's, it's almost like when I think of the squishiness of developer hours and productivity. Yes, that's a very draining conversation. X number of points out of them this week, or did I get what happened? What that? There's a people management. There's an output prediction component to this that's exhausting and impossible. And it's almost like we've given up. I can't even tell you how many sprints it's going to take because life Stop trying to have me predict how long it's going to take me to get from San Diego to San Francisco if I drive on the Big Sur, because it's impossible to know. But here's where I think we the opportunity lies for us is, like you said earlier, Nishant, can we start coming up with units of measure that are fun for us to work with because it abstracts out the stuff that is hard to be discreet about, but it still gives us a sort of a, that, that unit that we can work with that has all the fuzziness inside of it, but we don't have to think about it. (laughs) And we just, I used to call them blocks. I, I had this fantasy about, I have this unit of measure, it's called a block and it has inside of it, it has all the messiness of people and points and complexities and missed deadlines but if given that block is true and it delivers x well how many of the blocks will give me x to the power of what you know and so getting a little passionate right now but is there a can we turn the dial and land on a unit of measure that the c-suite can comfortably embrace and know how to attach dollar value to it and therefore, know what it's going to take to accomplish certain business objectives. I'm going to say it's very durable. and I think not only is it doable, it, it has to
2: be done because I think it many times when we talk about metrics for the engineering team, it, it turns into a really silly conversation, and then we're looking at velocities. And I just I don't understand how does velocity at this rate give me what does it give me? What does it yes. give? Me and it and,
0: and and it it gives the C suite reduces. The work that we do as CTOs to the one thing that the C suite's like, oh, okay, so you want me to work in terms of dates. If you're talking about velocity and sprints, these are all yeah. time based. Okay, then just tell me when's it gonna be done. And then you're like, man, stop asking me when it's gonna be done. But <laughs> that's the only thing you've given me to give me with. exactly. Exactly. So
2: don't the reason we have PTSD because time is never on on anybody's side, Frank yeah um and, but if we're has this has it ever been communicated to the ceo how much we we spent in creating this particular feature or whatever and by the way here's the more important thing collecting the evidence that hey we recouped the cost and now we're yeah. and now we're starting yeah. to make a profit and so we're not doing that and we're not doing anything to do anything about it and so i think that's what i'm saying many times if we're we should not be surprised at some of the conversations we get sucked into. Because again, like I said, we deal with very complex systems and garbage in, garbage out, right? So you put in garbage into the C, garbage metrics into this C-suite and, you're, and they come back, like you said, with the time-bound stuff where you're were you expecting something else. And so I think that's where I think we have an incredible opportunity, uh, uh, you know, uh, as even as seven CTOs here, to be, I would love to see a charter of, of things of what we can be looking for and try to figure out how best to calculate this. So I would love to see a calculus. It's
0: starting to sound like a CEO now because now, be now the work is rolling from here. Epics or build stories as a user. I- this is not to say, I know that people listening to this, clearly people are working with budgets all day long and yes, the rubber hits the road with dollars and cents. Of course, we're not saying that world doesn't exist. We're just saying, what does a world look like where the CTO is participating in the C-suite in a currency that everyone understands? And if, we, if you're facing the time currency, then maybe you that's all you've given your C-suite. Maybe actively work on giving them the dollars and cents currency. Hey, the sprint is 50. Every time a sprint's done, it's 50K, 50K out the door. Okay, holy moly. How are we recouping those costs? What does that mean? How much of that 50K is a prepayment into the futures of technical debt? Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm actually buying every 50K is purchasing 5K 50K, 50K futures 50K. of exactly technical it. debt. It's yep. getting to that world. And I promise you the c suite's going to freaking understand very quickly. What...
1: I think the challenge there is those metrics are often owned by other departments. We look at ways to demonstrate our value with the metrics that it's clear that we own. But a lot of the metrics, which really are impactful for the business, are not metrics that we own. It's they're the sales metrics, or the marketing metrics, or the customer satisfaction metrics. So it's difficult to see to really quantify how a sprint has a direct impact to customer satisfaction, that's yeah. our challenge. And we have to, yeah. that's a challenge we have to overcome. And there's, there's a, attempts at things like this in, in lean startup, the innovation accounting, talking about what revenue is generated from new products and that, are, that have been brought to market. But it gets more challenging when, when really the only metric that is clearly defined by us is margin. And of the enterprise value metrics is probably, as, as you said, especially in our space, when margins are incredibly high, it's not something you can really claim victory for a 2% improvement.
0: Yes. Jim landing us on the cold reality that this is not an easy thing to to solve. It's not. It's hard to, but I I would say, hey, CTO, spend your time on paving that communication, like work hard at bringing that into the C-suite versus like the gatekeeper of deliveries and deadlines and those are difficult can this be done conversations like this is this is what a naive c-suite is going to keep throwing at you and it's your job to educate to earn their trust to be empathic about the business growth and to be the people that that the c-suite can talk to about what's going on in the engineering department which in many SaaS companies it's the biggest spend they have on the piano. is no one more qualified in that room to draw those connections. So let's, let's do some spreadsheeting, man. Let's, let's <laughs> fall in love with our spreadsheets again. My Traditionally in my worlds that I've been in, whenever I've been CTOing, the COO is the one who builds the most prolific spreadsheets. Dude, they can build spreadsheets, man. Whew. Okay, team. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this. Any final words? Your, your dream CTO? Anything else counting down?
2: I think one thing that I would have loved to talk about is so we were talking about when is the, when is the right time to bring on a CTO. Right, I'd love to spend some time on other leaders in the technical line besides a CTO that are very crucial to the success of uh, a tech organization. I think trying to constantly talk about the CTO, there's BP, there's so many other levels that are equally necessary, mm. uh, if not more. In order to be, you know, successful as a tech organization, what is it important to? I think maybe this more appropriate question is, what, when is the right time to build out your tech organization, a tech leadership organization, tech org? And I think that will then maybe hopefully shift mind of what a CEO is looking at. It's just hiring a CTO and just delivering velocity and then you know maybe expand that out a little bit. But there are other, there are many other very important roles in the engineering
0: work. Good point. Yeah, I often tell uh, founders, especially if they're bringing in their first CTO, I'm like, get ready to spend a lot more money because the CTO is going to identify the gaps and want to hire more people. But again, this is all like you said, Nishant, it's the organizational growth and the mm-hmm. the, the it's an organizational thing. Okay, Jim, Nishant, thank you. Maybe there's a the part two on the other roles. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of CTO Studio. This is a little taste of the many conversations we have inside Seven CTOs. In addition to our peer groups, Seven CTOs members are also part of Slack, where ad hoc issues can be addressed by the larger collective. We also have one to two Zoom calls a week, where we go deep on specific challenges like brand new technologies, hiring strategies, people management, and expanding our influence and branding as technology leaders. Also check out 7CTOs.com, where we publish our list of events like upcoming retreats and colloquiums in a city near you. Applications are always open, so mention CTO Studio when you apply and you'll get a free strategy session with me. Wouldn't that be fun? See you next week.